Well, as many of you know, Andrew and I served as missionaries uh, on a ship called the Doulos in the 1990s. The 1990s used to sound so modern. It was an amazing experience for us, but it certainly wasn't all plain sailing. And right from the start, um, I had some, yeah, I guess, relatively minor issues. Although when I skipped out on a doctor's visit, he, he told me off and told me it was serious. So I get to the ship and uh, I've got an abscess uh, just near my, my toenail. Uh, that needed, you know, draining and stuffing with gauze and all that sort of stuff. And then, of course, a change in diet. Does anyone else suffer from that? I, you know, my morning constitution wasn't up to snuff for a little while. And then I don't always transition well to a new culture. So I had probably, you know, several months of, I guess, culture shock just trying to deal with all of that. Um, it wasn't wasn't a smooth Transition, and I never, <laughs> this is great on the ship, isn't it? I never got over seasickness. <laughs> that was actually, that was nothing though. That's and far more seriously, when we got to the ship a uh, year or two pre- previously, the ship had actually been subject to a terrorist attack. A hand grenade, grenade had been thrown on board uh, in the Philippines by Muslim terrorists. And a number of people died and we got there and there were still people who had the wounds and shrapnel in their body from that event. These people, young people in their early 20s, late teens, some of them who had gone to serve Jesus. Serving Jesus on the great adventure of faith was not plain sailing. And we're going to read this morning from Mark chapter 4, verse 35. And it will immediately become obvious why I told that particular story. Mark 4, 35. On that day when evening had come, he told them, let's cross over to the other side. So this is Jesus talking to his disciples. He's just had a day of teaching. So they left the crowd and took him along since he was in the boat and other boats were with him. A great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking over the boat so that the boat was already being swamped. He was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. So they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to die? He got up, rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Silence, be still. The wind ceased and there was a great calm. Then he said to them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? And they were terrified and asked one another, Who then is this? Even the wind and the sea obey him. So Jesus had just finished teaching a large crowd by the uh, Sea of Galilee, Lake Galilee. Uh, The crowd was so large that he'd gotten into a boat. Now, Mark doesn't tell us why he got into the boat. This happens in the beginning of the chapter. But... uh, Previously, he got into the boat, a boat so that he wouldn't get crushed. Could be the voice carries better over the water. Uh, whatever the reason, he's in the boat when the day ends, the sun is setting, and he tells the disciples, let's go. Let's cross over to the other, lake, uh, uh, other side of the lake. And just like that, just as he is, they go. Pull up oars and start rowing. Mark says they left the crowd and 
took him along since he was in the boat. I really got struck by this. The Greek word for took him along is just an ordinary word that means what it says there, that phrase says in the English. Uh, And often in the Bible, it is just used as an ordinary word. That is all that is happening, taking someone along with you. But it can also mean to receive something. So if you give me something and I take it from you and take it to myself, then I, the same word in, in the Greek. And so Paul actually uses this word in relation to our receiving the gospel and we take it to ourselves. And so this, this word to take along or to read uh, is, is seen sometimes to have actually an element of faith and commitment attached to it. You know, it's one of those words that takes on a bit more theological significance because of the way it's been used in the Bible. Now, in nearly every instance in Mark, we find this word, take along, is actually used of Jesus. Jesus takes someone along with him or he takes them aside and has a private word to them, often his disciples, or he takes them aside and engages in some ministry. So he raises a little girl from the dead in one case. There's two cases, though, where the word isn't used of Jesus, it's used of other people taking someone along. So one of them obviously is here with the disciples, sort of reverse taking Jesus, which, when you think about it, is kind of a little bit weird. Well, it is to me anyway. Jesus has said, let's go. I would have thought that it's Jesus that's taking the disciples to the other side. But Mark says they're taking Jesus to the other side. I guess they were rowing the boat. The other one is in Mark chapter 7, verse 4, where Jesus has a run-in with the Pharisees. And Mark explains some of the context to that story. We'll get there eventually. But he talks about how the Pharisees have received the tradition of their elders. And that's why... They do all the sort of legalistic things that they do. They receive the same word that is used here. Now, of course, the disciples have already committed to Jesus and he's chosen 12 apostles from among them. But I suspect Mark is making one of his teaching points. If, you, if you've been following along, you remember Mark. Uh, so uh, the early fathers told us Mark... Uh, received his information from Peter, but he didn't just write it down verbatim as in order that it was given or order that it happened. He actually arranges his material in such a way as to teach us through the story. And I suspect that's what Mark's doing here. You see, there seems to be an escalation in the commitment that the disciples are making to Jesus. Jesus has been teaching around the villages of uh, Galilee, The disciples have been following along with him. But this is the first time they've crossed over the lake. And rather than just going along with Jesus, now the disciples are taking Jesus. They're stepping up, so to speak. They're doing it in obedience to his directions, but they're stepping up. The mission is growing. The mission is expanding. And they're growing. They're taking Jesus along with them in their boat. Which makes me ask, what about me? And what about you? 
Jesus has called us. Are we taking him along in our boat, so to speak? And not just in church, not just in Bible study, but in the whole of our lives, actually. Is Jesus in the boat with us, in the boat of our life? Because this is actually the life of discipleship. We're followers of Jesus, but we start stepping up in that in every aspect of our lives. Well, it's obviously been a long day for Jesus and he falls asleep very quickly in the boat while the disciples are pulling on the oars. Now, fun fact. Apparently there were four oars. These were big boats. They could easily have held the, uh, the 12 disciples and Jesus. Um, but apparently there were only four oars. So I'm just kind of curious who got the short straw and had to row. That's complete aside. Don't, don't think too much about that. Then the wind comes up. The waves start to get choppy uh, and apparently this is quite common in Lake Galilee still today. Just because of the local geography, these winds can come down, you know, all the fancy, insert fancy weather jargon here that you you hear on the TV. And uh, these big storms just brew up out of nowhere on Lake Galilee. And now we know at least some of the disciples are local Fishermen, they know these waters and they know what can happen. And so if the disciples are starting to panic, experienced fishermen, you know things are probably pretty serious. The boat is in danger of sinking. The water's coming over. It's starting, uh, starting to, to fill up. The boat is in danger of sinking, even though Jesus, Jesus is in the boat. And even though the disciples are doing God's will. Apparently having Jesus in the boat doesn't mean it's going to be clear skies and plain sailing. Following Jesus is going to have its rough moments. And perhaps you've experienced this. You've stepped out in faith and commitment in some way in obedience to God. The way we did some years ago. Maybe you started a business or a ministry. Maybe you followed Jesus in baptism. And then suddenly everything goes pear-shaped. And you wonder, what's going on? Did I hear God right? Am I meant to be in this place? Is Where is God in this moment? What's the point of having Jesus in the boat if he's asleep? Now, it's not even like in this particular story. I think some people have tried to chalk this up to spiritual warfare, that it was some sort of demonic... I don't think so. These storms are common. We know they happen. We know why they happen. It's just... It's a big storm, but it's just an ordinary storm. Things happen in life. The economy turns bad. Businesses go bankrupt. People lose their home. The ministry never gains traction or has to be shut down. The missionary arrives at their destination and dies in an accident, a random automobile accident. There's no promise of safety with Jesus, but there is a promise of his presence and he is in the boat with the disciples, even though he may be asleep at this point. So... In a panic, the disciples wake Jesus up. They're completely baffled. How can you be so calm in this moment? Do you realise how 
serious situation. We know you're a rabbi. We know you're a builder. Maybe you don't know. We're fishermen. And then they witnessed something they could never have believed. Jesus calms the storm and it's instantaneous. It's miraculous. The wind stops. You know, when the wind stops, the waves don't immediately calm down. Straight away, it takes time. Well, the waves just calm down. Boom. Everything's quiet. When I was on the Dulos, there was an elderly uh, missionary. He'd been a missionary for years. An Anglican priest, a really interesting guy named Alan. Um, and he'd been a missionary in different parts of the world, had some amazing stories. And he'd been on the ship for a long ta- time. <laughs> he told us this one story, and he had a number of stories that you're like, really? So he told us that one night they were sailing through pirate waters, but there was a storm. And so when you're in pirate waters, we had to put on extra watches because you don't want to get boarded by pirates, right? Or if you're going to get boarded, you want to be ready for it. But because of the storms, visibility's low, all of that sort of thing. So the captain calls up Alan and says, stop the storm. And as Alan tells it, he was a bit dubious, but he went outside onto the bridge rings and he said, storm, stop. And he says, it did. I don't know. I spoke to a YWAM missionary once who told me they had a team in Asia that were just doing some ordinary ministry, evangelism, house to house in this village and so on. And there was this big storm uh, front coming. Uh, and, and they said that they continued to do the ministry, but this storm would have you know, shut down their ministry. So they had another, some of them were lined up praying, this line of people praying against the storm. And he said, I kid you not, one side of this line, it was bucketing with rain. The other side, clear skies. And they continued on with the ministry. Well, I don't know. Maybe you're sceptical about those stories or maybe you're encouraged by those stories. The reality is that as God's people, we do have access to his power today. Jesus said at the end of Matthew, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. We go in his authority. But, you know, there's something else going on in this story with Jesus. Alan and those wine whammers would have told you, we didn't do that by our own power. We did it by the power of God. It was faith. But that, I don't think, is what Mark's saying. Jesus is stopping the storm by his own power. By his own Authority. He rebukes the wind and he speaks to the sea because he is Lord of the storm. The disciples have seen Jesus working miracles, but they still don't understand who he is. And they're terrified, naturally enough, when they see Jesus' power displayed. Who is this? It's interesting, isn't it? If they were afraid before, now they're terrified. There's a greater power even than the storm here. Now, if you remember back, we said right at the start that Mark is actually has this secret that sort of unfolds slowly, but that he lets us in on at the beginning of the book, that this gospel is the gospel of Jesus, the Son of God, uh, and, and goes into some detail about that. And here he is reinforcing this is a little gradual revelation. The disciples still aren't getting it yet. 
But Jesus is adding this information that when the revelation comes, it's, it's going to drop. That Jesus is the Son of God. That he has authority. That he has power. And when we have Jesus, the Son of God, in our boat, so to speak, the seas may not be calm all the time, but they are under his control. Here's the interesting reality to this, isn't it? The disciples were actually in no more danger before Jesus stopped the storm than after. The situation was different, but Jesus was still in the boat with them. The disciples would eventually come to realise that they had an even greater security, though, than just from the the storm. After Jesus uh, rose and they started to preach the gospel, they started to encounter some real opposition, far worse than the storm. In fact, tradition tells us that nearly all the disciples uh, died as martyrs at the hands of Romans or, or whoever. In fact, in this life, they experienced storms that Jesus didn't come. But he was still in the boat and he was still in control. They were looking at a destination that wasn't just on the other side of the lake, but was on the uh, the other side of life. After they came to the revelation that Jesus is the Son of God, they realised that He has a a power far greater than the ability to calm the storm. He can resurrect the dead because he was the firstborn from among the dead. And so their confidence lay in him beyond the grave. And what about you and me? In the boat, the disciples were terrified of the storm because they didn't understand the power that was asleep in the stern with them. I wonder how they would have reacted if they'd known. Uh, It's all right, Jesus is here. They probably still would have woken him up, but maybe just not with quite as much panic as as they had. And the, the question for us is, where's our confidence when the storm's raging? If Jesus is in your boat, then the power of God is present. You're in the middle of his will, if you're doing his will. And so we might say the promise is sometimes that actually, unlike the disciples, we don't wake Jesus up. The disciples panic, but at least they turn to Jesus. Well, I wonder if they just turn to Jesus so that he could panic with them. I don't know. But we can turn to Jesus with prayer in faith. And like those missionaries who stopped the storms. I think sometimes we don't, as I reflect on my own life, we don't have because we don't ask. And sometimes we don't ask because we don't really believe. God calls us to test him in this. There's good testing and there's bad testing of God. But we need to remember that all of this is in the context of obedience and faith. Jesus had said to the disciples, let's go. They're like, okay, let's go. And they took Jesus. The disciples were where they were meant to be. That didn't mean the the sea would be calm, but it did mean they were in the centre of God's will and God's presence. And so I need to ask myself daily, is that where I am? In the centre of God's will and God's presence. What about you?